Amen. I want you to open your Bible to Isaiah. One of my favorite books in the Old Testament, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. Chapter 55 is where we're going to go for a few moments. Isaiah, chapter 55. Let's start with verse number one. Where I, I just have really two verses, but they are so power-packed. Verse number one of Isaiah 55. Ho! Somebody say ho. ho. Say ho, ho. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. I know. Ho! In other words, let me have your attention here. Listen up! Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, ever been there? Come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine, buy milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages, why do you spend your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. Eat what is good, now look at this, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. How many want to live in a land of abundance, in a place of abundance, God's abundance, more than enough, surplus, running over, full to overflowing abundance? That's what God's calling you to. That's what God bids us to. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that it would be illuminated in our minds, in our hearts, in our ears, and that what you have sent it to do, it would be done in Jesus' name. Come on, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Today we continue in our study of the invitations that are found throughout the scripture. There is no way that I can do an exhaustive and fully comprehensive study of all the invitations. Uh, the more I dig, the more invitations I find. But I'm going to do my best to let the Holy Spirit lead me in what we should study here in this series on invitations. There are invitations from God. There are invitations from people of God. How many believe that if God sent you an invitation, that it would probably be a good thing to respond in the affirmative? I believe you ought to RSVP to any invitation that God gives you. And also, let me just add... Don't be afraid to leave where you are and what you have in order to get to the place that God is calling you to, this new invitation, perhaps, that God calls you to. Sometimes we just hold on with white knuckles where we are and what we have in God right now. But see, sometimes you just need to let go. Somebody say, let go. Just let go. God called me early on in ministry to a, a ministry that included singing. In fact, I was part of a group, and we traveled all over the United States, almost every state. We were blessed to be a part of and, and sing in churches and conventions and camps and you name it. And actually, God blessed it. God breathed on it. God uh, helped us to grow in that particular ministry. And for 16 years, that's all I knew how to do is just sing, sing the gospel and sing the message to people. And I got to where I, I could do that anytime, 
any place. But I felt God calling me, inviting me to come someplace else. And I'm telling you, I fought. I, I really did. I fought. And I tried to reason with God why he ought to let me stay there and why God ought to bless what I thought was the better plan. Oh, I know nobody's ever talked to God like that, and you never really thought like that. But I'm just telling somebody today what I was thinking, because I was scared to death, actually. Truth be told, I was frightened to leave. I was in ministry. I was being used by God. I already had a degree under my belt from one of the premier Bible colleges in the Assemblies of God. But he, I, I heard him whisper. God never shouts at me. I don't know if the Holy Spirit ever shouts at you. He never shouts at me. He, he whispers to me. And I felt him whisper to me, AJ, I got something else for you. Wow. I got something else for you. I got something better for you. And I want you to leave that behind. And I want you to come. I'm inviting you to a new level, to a new dimension, and to a new place. That's what I felt God saying to me. I feel like he's saying that to you right now, by the way. Amen. Amen. Stretch your hands forth toward AJ real quick. Father, I don't know. You just quickened me right there as I, I was just trying to give an illustration. But you quickened me that that's actually what you are saying to AJ right now. To leave behind. Let go and trust me, says the Lord. I have a place for you. I've got a plan for you. And I want you to come to me, says God. Hallelujah. Amen. But finally, after wrestling with God for a while, I, re I, I relaxed into God's plan. And I found that God's plan is better than my plan. Still frightening. Still scary. I mean, he called me to do things I'd never done before. Called me to be on staff at a church as the music pastor. At a black church. Can I just talk to you for a minute? <laughs> this, this white boy... From Terre Haute, Indiana, God, God's going to place, get this, going to place me in the inner city of Chicago leading worship at a mostly black church. Black and Puerto Rican. Boy, there's a mix right there. You want to talk about having some church. Black and Puerto Rican that love God and love each other. I'm telling you, it's, it's, a, it's an unbelievable combination. And the white boy leading worship. I remember, Yolanda, I went to the first choir practice. I was so mad. I really was. I was so mad. I pulled the senior pastor after the choir practice was over. I pulled him aside and I said, what have you done? What have you done? Why did you do this? Why did you hire me? Seriously. This is, I can't do this. This is too big for me. This is over my head. I don't roll like that. He said, he said, yeah, but I see something in you, and I'm going to pull that out of you. And we'll see how you roll by the time you leave here. And I found out I had a little bit of soul on the inside of me. Just a little bit. Ah. But you see, had I stayed over here with what I thought was the better plan and with what I thought was comfortable, I would have missed out on God's invitation to a whole nother level and to a whole nother dimension, to a life of abundance. I don't want to miss that. 
God is inviting you, each and every person in this room, come to the place of abundance. And God is so good. Let me tell you what he did right here in, in Isaiah 55. Even before the invitation came, God had preparation before the invitation. There was preparation for the invitation. And that's what 54 is all about. So I want you to back up a little bit and I want to just walk through quickly some highlights of chapter 54. It will set perfectly these two verses in chapter 55. God's preparation for the invitation. Look at verse number 1 of chapter 54, for instance. It's a, it's, a, it's a chapter that starts off with verse 1 of comfort and of faith, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you happen to be facing in the physical. He encouraged, for instance, the barren women. He said, sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing. Somebody say, break forth into singing. Come on, break forth into singing. Even if you wanted to have a baby, even if you wanted this and you thought this was going to to happen you wanted this ministry and it didn't happen go ahead and sing go ahead and break forth into joy because God isn't done yet and God still has something up his sleeve that he's about to show you and about to do for your life oh this is just the preparation for the invitation hallelujah let me read on verse number 50 uh, verse number two and three of chapter 54 this is this is expecting greater things expecting better things this is a this is a verse about expanding your borders expanding your horizon expanding your thinking and enlarging the place of your tent look at verse number 10 enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling do not spare lengthen out your cords and strengthen up your stakes for you shall expand to the right you shall expand to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited is anybody ready for expansion here today are you ready to press out into the right are you ready to press out into the left are you ready to broaden out your tents and your curtains and your stakes that's what God has for us this is all just preparation for the invitation by the way he goes on in verse number 4 of chapter 54 he encourages us not to live in fear, not to let our past isolate us and keep us frozen in a place that he hasn't prepared for us. He didn't plan for us. Look at verse number four. Do not fear. You will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth. You will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. I think all of us probably have done some things way back here in our life and in our past that we're probably not very proud of. I know I have. And I'm not going to air all of my dirty laundry, and I don't want you to either. But there's some people, they're so paralyzed and they're so frozen back here in their past and the things that they did in their youth that they're ashamed of that they can't move forward into what God has for them. He said, don't be afraid. Do not fear and just leave your past in the past. Why don't you just wave to your past, everybody? Come on, just say bye-bye to your past. It's not going to keep me from what God has for me. It's not going to keep you from what God has for you. I'm going to leave this place of comfort, and I'm going to move into this place of maybe even the unknown, the, the place of, of, of 
probably a little bit of apprehension because I don't see what God has for me. But I want to risk everything to accept the invitation that comes from God. 54, I'm, I'm just now getting off the runway here. One more verse out of 54, and then we're going to dive in and really dissect these two verses apart in 55. One of my favorite scriptures, especially in Isaiah. But look at verse number 17. Can you bring that up? No weapon. Hey, hallelujah. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, thus says the Lord. Aren't you thankful that every weapon that the enemy forms and fashions has no power over you, and it will not succeed? It will fail every time. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say hallelujah today. Thank you, God. Protection is guaranteed in this preparation for the invitation. But finally, we get to chapter 55, and an invitation comes from this prophet Isaiah. An invitation from God. It's to come and satisfy your thirst. It's to come and satisfy your hunger. It's to come and satisfy your soul. Let's look closely at this. Number one, the invitation is to come and satisfy your thirst. I'm actually a little thirsty right now. I've been hollering up here. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Hey, Bear. Love you. Big Bear. Big Bear. He, he me You're my buddy, right? Yeah. He brings my Bible up to the pulpit, hands me my water right here. Hebert's. <clears throat> Isn't this amazing? Not how much money we spend on it, by the way. We used to just get it out of the hose in the backyard, you know. <laughs> Anybody ever drink out of the hose in the backyard? Still do. You do it out of rebellion, don't you? Yeah, I mean, right, I know. Uh, unbelievable, though. Just, it's just water. Not really even much taste to it. Now, it tasted very good to me, although there's really no taste. But I was thirsty. I was thirsty. And so just a, a little sip from this. Unbelievable. L look at this scripture closely. It says, Ho, yo, heads up, listen up. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. This struck me as interesting because everyone who thirsts is everyone. <laughs> Not trying to oversimplify, oversimplify things, or maybe I am trying to oversimplify things. Fine. But everyone who thirsts is everyone because thirst is something that is common to every person. No matter who you are, no matter where you live, male, female, young or old, Everybody gets thirsty. We all understand this craving. And you can't live without water. You could live longer without food, but you can't live very long without water. You've got to have water in order to even live, in order for your body to function. You've got to have water. Interesting that he says, all who are thirsty... Come to the waters. Boy, in the summer at, in, in Southern California, it can get very, very hot, doesn't it? 
it can just get extremely hot. You get dehydrated just like that. All your moisture just leaves you. You've got to get some water. Oh, I'm so thirsty. I'm dying of thirst. Anybody ever said that? I'm starving to death. <laughs> we say stuff like that. Daisy, when she was a lot younger, she, she said that. She kind of got in a little groove of saying, I'm starving to death. And I said, honey, I don't want you to say that anymore. I know what you're saying. You're hungry and you're ready to eat. But there are actually people all around the world that are starving to death. I'm so thirsty. We're such a spoiled people. I mean, we have at our beck and call whatever we want, anytime we want it. The thirst that the, the Bible is speaking of here, however, it's not, it's not the water in, in the bottle that I hold today. It's not, it's not the H2O. This is a spiritual thirst. Now, when I, when I speak of this verse with that in mind, and I say perhaps everyone who's spiritually thirsty come to the waters, well, that actually eliminates a whole lot of people, doesn't it? Because there's, truth be told, not a lot of people who are really spiritually thirsty. They're not. The thirst that the, the prophet is speaking of here is a deep, inner, spiritual thirst that can't be satisfied or quenched with physical water. And so what happens is, mankind has attempted to satisfy a thirst that is spiritual with things that are not spiritual. That's what has happened. For instance, some have tried to satisfy this spiritual thirst with money. And they say to themselves, oh, if I just had a little bit of money. How many would like a little bit more money in your life right now? I'll raise both my hands. Because there's nothing wrong with money. The Bible doesn't say money is the root of all evil, does it? What's it say? Come on, let me, let me hear your Sunday school knowledge. The love of money. We do have to be super careful there, folks. But people think, oh, if I had a little bit of money, then I'd be satisfied. So they get a little bit of money, and then they want a little bit more money. They get a little bit more money, and then they want a little bit more money after that. And it goes on, and it goes on, and it goes on, and that's why multimillionaires and even billionaires can never satisfy that spiritual uh, thirst because money can't do that. Money's not supposed to do that. They always want more. They're always craving and thirsting for more. It happens not only with money. It happens with possessions. Oh, I need more stuff. We like to collect things, don't we? Any hoarders in the room? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> You're just proud of it, aren't you? <laughs> you save, right? But it, we're funny. We're funny ducks. We'd be a, a great study. Sociology. How much we 
gather and collect over our lifetime, and we always want more. Possessions. You know what? It's trying to actually quench a thirst. Possessions can't do it. You, 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 you accumulate all the stuff in the world, and guess what happens when you die? It all, your kids fight over it. That's right. <laughs> That's good. That's true, actually, but the bottom line is you don't take one thing with you. You came into the world naked, you're going to leave out of this world naked. But we try to satisfy a thirst, a spiritual thirst, with money, with possessions, with position, trying to climb some corporate ladder. We try to satisfy a spiritual thirst with alcohol. I know I, I probably shouldn't stay here very long, but I am sick and tired of what alcohol is doing to the church. To the church. We've fallen asleep at the wheel. We have believed a lie because other churches have accepted this and find scriptures to support where they stand. Folks, I'm just telling you, there's more danger and more harm that comes from alcohol than good ever will. It is documented and proven throughout history. And it won't satisfy the spiritual thirst, really, if you, if you boil the water down, so to speak. And if you just look at what's really going on, I think we're trying to satisfy a, a thirst. Alcohol can't do that. Drugs can't do that. Our own lust and our own pleasure can't do that. The pride of life can't do that. It reminded me of the Samaritan woman, John chapter 4. Perhaps you want to open that up. John chapter 4, Jesus Jesus is thirsty. <laughs> Did you know Jesus actually got thirsty? Because not only was he all God, he was also all man. He got thirsty and he got hungry. And it says in verse number 4 that he needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria because it was the Father's plan for him to go through Samaria. And the Holy Spirit was actually leading him and prompting him in his steps and in his decisions, which should happen for us. He needed to go through Samaria. He came to Samaria. And uh, now Jacob's well was there, verse number 6. Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, he also got weary. I think sometimes we forget that Jesus was, was a man. He got thirsty, he got weary, uh, and he, he was wanting something to drink. And so here's a woman. It so happens that she was from Samaria. Samaria was the wrong side of the tracks. Samaria was not a, a good part of town. And the Jews had no dealings with those that lived in Samaria. But Jesus asked her anyway, would you give me something to drink? And she says... Well, let me, let me interject this. He asked her because the disciples were gone, because they were going to get food, because Jesus also got hungry. <laughs> but he asked this woman, and, and uh, the woman said to him in verse number 9, uh, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask for a drink of water from me? I'm a Samaritan woman. For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Strike two, actually, here. She was from the wrong part of town, and she was a woman. Either one of those were enough 
for them to have no, no contact with each other, but compounded that she was a Samaritan woman, and it's really bad news here. Okay? Verse number 10, I, I, I love this. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Hallelujah. And the woman says to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? In verses 13 and 14, Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The invitation for you today is come and let your thirst your spiritual thirst, be satisfied. Drink of Jesus. Drink of the living water, and he says you'll never thirst again. The invitation is not only to quench your spiritual thirst. This invitation is to come and satisfy your hunger. Go back to our text, verse 1. And you who have no money, come and buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine, buy milk, without money and without practice. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? Why do you spend your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. Eat what is good. It, it, this is interesting to me that he says, Come, buy, and eat. You who have no money, come and buy. So how do you do that? Because you have no money. I've never gone to Target or to Walmart or to Macy's or to Albertsons. I don't care where it is. If I'm going to go and buy something from them, they want to see the money. Show me the money, right? Or at least some plastic. They're not letting me out of the store with any goods, any meat, any... Well, I don't buy wine because I already hit that a moment ago. They're not letting me out of the store with any goods that I did not actually pay for with money. So it doesn't make sense what Jesus just said. That's the point. That's the point. God continuously calls us to, th to things and to places that don't always make sense to us. That takes a step of faith. Let faith arise, Pastor Moses led us in this great, great chorus today. And God was in that and God was speaking to us. And faith was aroused in us and, and rose in our hearts today. But it takes faith. We, we come to Jesus by faith. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. And then we walk in faith. And so when God invites us to these places of, of quenching our thirst, these places of satisfying our hunger, it's actually going to take another step of faith because it won't make sense. God, you just said to buy some meat and, and I don't have any money? Well, let me tell you something. This is also, uh, this, is a spiritual, this is a spiritual thing that God is speaking here. You know, your hunger pangs, when, you're hun when, you're, when your belly growls, it's actually a, a sign, isn't it? It's like an alarm. Now for me, I've got this built-in clock when it comes to food. And at 12 o'clock, see it went off about four minutes ago. <sighs> I better close this up and go eat, right? It's lunchtime. 
I'm just, it's just drilled in my head. I like to eat at a certain time, and are you ready for this? If I don't eat at a certain time, sometimes I get a little bit grumpy. I know. Ask my wife. I get just slightly out of sorts until I eat. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You like to eat at a certain time, either 11.30 or 12 or 12.30. You like dinner at a certain time, and you just function better like that. Hunger pangs are a sign that it's time to put something into your body. Food was meant to be fuel. But we've taken that to another stratosphere, haven't we? Food isn't about putting a log in a, in a furnace, because that's really what it's like keeping our metabolism up and going and fueling it properly. But we don't really fuel it properly, most of us. And I say us, because I don't eat right either. I try, but then I, I see something I really like. <laughs> and I really want. And I don't care if it's good for me or not. And I eat it. And when I eat it, then I want more of it, right? Because it, it, it tastes good, it tastes sweet, it tastes salty, whatever it is. And it's, it's stimulating all the taste buds and, and all kinds of good stuff is going on. And you're done and then you go, oh, I wish I had more. <laughs> CB, she's an unbelievable cook and she cooks some things that I love. And so I'll eat what she prepares and then I'm done and I wish I wasn't done. <laughs> when it was only supposed to be fuel for a furnace. But we've really taken food to another dimension. And food isn't about fuel for most people in the United States. Food is about satisfying our own pleasure and our own desire and our own lust even. And this just turned into a sermon on gluttony. I'm sorry. And just see how quick that happens. Let me tell you something. It's, it's really similar with the, spirit, uh, the spiritual side of our hunger. I wonder when, when's the last time we, we said, God, I'm starving to death for you. God, I'm so hungry for you. Nothing else satisfies. I've tried all of these other things and nothing satisfies my hunger. I am hungry for you. I've got to have you. At breakfast and at lunch and at dinner and my snack time. I want God. Jesus promised that we would be blessed if we would hunger after God. Hunger after the right things. Bring that up in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Come on, say it again. Righteousness. For they shall be filled. If you are hungry for the right things, if you are hungry for holiness, if you are hungry for God, if you are hungry for the Spirit of God and the things of God and the Word of God, you shall be filled. But I think too many times, church, we hunger for the world. We hunger for our own pleasure to be satisfied. God, let it shift today. God, let it change today. And may we hunger after righteousness. Finally, this invitation. Pastor Moses, I want you to come. 
when we have our spiritual thirst quenched and satisfied, we have our spiritual hunger satisfied, this is what it leads to. It's a satisfaction of your soul, really. The very last part of verse number 2 there in chapter 55. Look closely. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. People search high and low to try and satisfy their soul. They spend money for that which is not bread. They labor for things that cannot satisfy. And he says, listen carefully to me. Eat only that which is good spiritually. Church, I want to implore you today and exhort you as strongly as I can. Be very careful what you're feeding your spirit man. Because whatever you put in is going to come out. And whatever you put in is ultimately shaping who you are. And I know you've heard this phrase, garbage in, garbage out. I know you've heard the phrase, you are what you eat. But it's really true. God is calling us to a life of abundance. He's calling us to a place of complete spiritual satisfaction. We'll never need to look anywhere else. Jesus said, drink of this water and you'll never thirst again. He's the living bread. We eat of Jesus. We never hunger again. Because what could satisfy like Christ? What could satisfy our spiritual hunger pangs like living water, like living bread? You'll search high and wide and never find anything quite that tasty, quite that satisfying. Then our soul is satisfied. That inner man, that inner woman. And when that happens, we rest. We have great peace. Come and be satisfied. Every head bowed in this room. invitation is an invitation to a feast you're invited to a feast water to satisfy your thirst food to satisfy your hunger all this to satisfy our soul and get this this feast is free this banquet will cost you nothing cost you no money. Jesus already paid the price. It just cost you surrender. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor Steve, I, I feel like I, I have been trying to satisfy a spiritual thirst and a spiritual hunger with things other than Christ, things other than righteousness. Today I see that clearly and I want only Christ to satisfy my spiritual thirst and my spiritual hunger. If that's you, lift your hand and put it right back down. Amen. Amen. 
Yes. Today is that day. The invitation's already been extended. Come. Yo, ho. Hey, heads up. Don't miss this. This is important. Don't blow by this. You're invited to spiritual satisfaction and abundance. Anybody else, just quickly before I pray for those who've already lifted their hand, just say, yes, Pastor, pray for me that I would not search in other places, but I would find that satisfaction in Christ, in righteousness. Amen. Amen. Now, Father, you've seen the hands lifted of men and women and students all over this room. I ask, first of all, God, that you would just forgive us of trying to quench a thirst and satisfy a hunger that can only be quenched and satisfied by you. And Lord, let us drink in that living water and never thirst again. Let us feast at your table, the bread of life, and never hunger again. And Lord, I pray that you would satisfy our souls and we would walk in that abundance that you have for us. We give you thanks. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You ready to come to the life of satisfaction in Christ? Are you ready to walk in a life of abundance in Christ? Amen. Let me invite you to stand. Pastor Moses is going to close us in prayer. So good to see you here today. Look for you tonight. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. Father, we thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for your presence. Lord God, we thank you for taking the time to get our attention, God. Father, we pray today, Lord God, that we would walk this out. Lord God, that we would surrender our lives completely to you, every area of our lives. God, that we would lay it down at your feet. Father, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you that you are in control. Father, we pray that you would be with us this week. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen.